Case the 18th, a quick proverb before we get into where we're going to go today. I picked verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and they're safe. I'm starting a new series today and um, I've always, I've, I've kind of been wondering, I've been planning this for this for a while and um, I want to look at this maze that we kind of enter as we engage ourselves in, in what I'm going to call social networking. And um, you'll know what I'm talking about in a minute or two. And the reason is that I, I think that there are um, struggles that you and I can face as we, uh, as we, as we involve ourselves in social networking. I'm not, gonna, I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying that there are some struggles that we can face that can interfere with some biblical values. And so I want to just talk a little bit about social media and how that impacts us. And I, I, I want you to know, too, that if you don't use social media, I believe that the word here will still speak to you, I, 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 even whether you do or not. And I want to say right up front that I embrace and use social media. Okay, I use I got a Facebook account, I got a Twitter account. I don't do them a whole lot, maybe as much as some of you do, but I but I get in there and I fiddle around a little bit. And there are lots and lots of different forms. I think they they provide wonderful opportunity to uh, stay connected with family, and you see pictures of things, and you know, I mean, it's really good. And if there are issues that you want to promote, it's a good venue for doing that. So I'm I'm not telling you I'm against social media. But there is a side to it that I think we need to have our eyes open to. Because at the same time that we enjoy all of the benefits that that technology provides, there is an unintended, I think, uh, downside, sometimes some negative consequences of social media. So I want to raise a few of those questions and contrast some of the dilemmas that it places it in, us into versus uh, biblical values. And I think this will speak to the hearts of, of parents as well today, uh, because your kids are involved in social media way more than you think. In fact, you're involved way more than you think. I mean, if you're wondering why this is relevant, first I want to explain to you what do I mean by social media. Here's an example. It means Pinterest, um, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, um, all these. You're probably familiar with a lot of these logos. And I, I, I guess the question is, is is social networking really used all that much? Well, here are a few statistics to help you know whether it's being used very much or not. 18 to 29-year-olds, 89% of them use it. 30 to 49, 82%. If you're 50 to 64, two-thirds of you, 65% of you are regularly involved in social media. And if you're above 65, people think, that oh, they must not be because they're just... no. 49% of people 65 and up are still actively involved. Facebook alone, which is the big dog on the block, 71% of online users, 71% use Facebook. 23% of them, almost a fourth, log on to Facebook at least five times a day or more. No elbows in this room, please, okay? (laughs) I mean, I was... I was working on this series, and I, may, I mentioned a few of these comments to Lisa, and I wondered if I was going to have angry against the pastor comments posted on her Facebook page <laughs> because I was mentioning Facebook, but not really. Um, fa- um, and uh, 47% of Americans say that the number one influencer on their life about decisions that they'll make to purchase comes off of Facebook. See it? Got to see it. Got to do it. Got to have it. I mean, it's, we're using Facebook an awful lot. And um, here's a few statistics about time usage by the U.S. Bureau of Labor. How do Americans use their time every day? Average American, snail mail, which is, you know, the post office. That's so denigrating. I don't mean to be denigrating. It's just regular U.S. mail, 17 minutes a day. Email, 33 minutes a day. Facebook, 39 minutes a day. Pets, 
six minutes a day. <laughs> no comment. So today, um, it, um, by the way, don't discount um, seniors from social networking. The the uh, segment of people that is fastest growing in the Twitter universe, Twitter universe, 55 to 64-year-olds in the last two years, it's, it's grown 79%. Okay, so do, do not discount, um, you know, based on age, this is, this is pretty much used across the board. Today I want to talk about the topic of contentment. I want to talk about contentment. We're going to look at how when we compare ourselves to other people, when we look and compare, sometimes we can become dissatisfied and discontent in our own hearts. Next week, I want to talk to you about intimacy, because when we post something online, we can get an immediate feedback. We get likes right away, and it can create this, you know, it causes us to feel close to people, and, and social media can really give us a, a, an illusion of companionship when, without the demands of friendship. And so um, we can be comfortable relating online, but many of us long for something more face-to-face. Anyway, the, the week after that, we're going to talk about authenticity. I mean, really, for the first time in history, we can filter and shape every image that goes out and every statement that we, we can make be more than ever before in history. And the more filtered we are, the more difficult it is for us to be authentic. I mean, you can take a picture and hold down your button on your phone and get 25 pictures in three seconds and you get to pick the best one. And all of the other ones were real too. They just didn't cast you in the same light. So week four, the the week after that, we're going to talk about compassion. Studies have shown that over the last 20 years, we actually care about people less than we used to. Some interesting measurements on that out there. And um, Technology seems to, one, thing, one of the things that technology does is it overwhelms us with so much information. We get to a point of emotional overload. We think, okay, I care, but I can't care about all of these things so intimately. And so we actually recede a little bit of compassion away from, from that. But yet God calls us to be compassionate people. How do we care for each other in a Facebook selfie-centered world? The, next, the last week we're going to talk about rest. I mean, because some of us become so tethered to our stuff, our phones. I mean, I'm not like 80% of teenagers who actually sleep with their phone. <laughs> okay, 80%. Did you know that? I mean, maybe some of you don't sleep with your phone, but you do check your phone when you get up in the middle of the night just in case one of your friends has sent you an important message at 3 in the morning. <laughs> Or not. Anyway, so I think um, we're going to talk about rest on the last week. So today I want to dive in and talk about discontentment and envy and how we become content in Christ. I mean, some, some, some believe that discontentment has, has grown to be one of the biggest problems in history that it ever has been today because never before have so many people had so many things yet still wanted so much more. It just is really, really true. And um, some sociologists are saying that social media is one of the biggest drivers today of discontentment. What happens is we look at other people's lives and, and, and on social media, and they look so perfect. You know, everything looks really good because they're putting out their very best image, their filtered image. And when we compare our behind-the-scenes truth to their highlight reels, 
we don't like the comparisons all that much. And we kind of get our, and, and we, we look at the best of their best and the worst of our best and worst of our worst. And we think, okay, I mean, I just don't like the way that works. So it comes down like this. You get two moms who maybe meet face to face and haven't really talked to each other, yet they see each other on the line and they really kind of, you know, they kind of fess up. You know, I kind of, kind of hated you because you, you know, you, you're this perfect, you know, you, you're this stay at home mom. You, always have time with your children, you're so structured with your kids, and, and you have these crafts going, and it always looks so good, and I'm working, and I, I have to work, and I, I, I can't keep up, and I always feel guilty. And the other mom would say, well, I hated you because, you know, you have a life. You're out there doing things, and you're going places, and, and I've been in a ponytail since 2012, and I haven't talked to an adult. <laughs> so two people who... Comparing and longing for what the other person has. Maybe you're at home by yourself some Friday night and you know, you'd kind of like to be out and you look at your friend, your friend's out on a date and having lobster and you're getting the picture of it on Instagram and you're having Weight Watchers <laughs> and you hate Weight Watchers and, um, or you see a picture of your, you know, your best friend at the gym doing a muscle selfie and... <laughs> You know, you're just, you're personally trying to eat hostess out of bankruptcy by yourself. And so, and you think, and you, and you feel bad about yourself. And never before in the history of the world have we been so able to accurately measure popularity. I mean, when I was a kid, you just randomly had a sense for, oh, I'm a popular kid, or I'm not a popular kid, or whatever. I mean, and most of us underestimated that. But now you can measure it, you know. You've only got 287 friends, and somebody else has 614 friends. They're way, I'm only half as popular as that person. Or, you know, I, the number of likes, I only got 12 likes, but she got 19 likes on her picture, and this person gets triple digits. This is not fair. And so we compare and we summarize. Everybody else's life is so much better than mine. Mine is just terrible. Ick. And the more we compare with others, the less satisfied we are. Researchers did some studies at two universities, and they took some college students, and they had them spend 30 minutes on Facebook, and then they immediately measured their feelings. What, what is your primary feeling at this point? What, what, what's going on? And a fully a third of the students said that they felt significantly depressed, and envy was the reason after 30 minutes. Now, that's just a third admittedly, but the average college students in the United States spends 101 minutes a day on Facebook. So this is a real issue. And today I'm going to give you three different categories of discontentment <laughs> and ask you, to, as we go through this, to at our own gut level, this is just for you, to, to kind of look in, inward and say, yeah, this is kind of going on, and I really could make a course correction that would be helpful. So, okay, three different ones. And I'm going to broaden it, obviously, beyond social media. Um, but uh, for those of you who use social media like I do, you'll probably identify with this um, in some of the examples that I give. Okay, the first category we're going to call material and financial discontentment. Maybe you see he posts a picture of his car, and you hate your car. You know, I mean, you want to be happy for him, but you're kind of jealous because you want his car. You want that car. Or she posts a picture of her brownies. <laughs> and they look good, but you're not really even looking at the brownies because you can do that. You're looking at the really cute kitchen and the nice cabinets. 
and that nice mixer and those really cool little handles on the knobs on the poles on the drawers, you know. And um, you're wishing that you had her kitchen. And, or maybe your friend is sending pictures from the beach again. Second time this year. And you can't go to the beach and you can't even go to the pond. You just can't, can't get out. Or you've got a friend who has more shoes than Zappos. You know what Zappos is? It's a place online where you can get shoes, okay? Um, but and it makes you materially or financially feel, at some level, discontented. But just be honest with yourself at this moment. Does this ever happen when you're cruising from page to page on the Internet? You know, it can be true. Material and financial discontentment. Se- sec- second category we're going to call relational discontentment. You know, you see pictures of your friends doing something together, and you're not there. You didn't get invited. And you're thinking, hey, what's wrong with me? I mean, what am I? You know, or, or, or you're not married and you see all these pictures of your friends and they're married and they're happy and, and you're thinking to yourself naturally, you know, I wish I had somebody. Or you see somebody else and they post all these pictures of them playing and doing the coolest things with their kids. And you're just trying to make ends meet so you can feed your kids and you just don't have the time to do that. And, and you see this relational intimacy that other people have and you, and, and you don't have it. And, and you find that you envy other people's relational situation. You know, just think about this. That happens sometimes. The last category um, I would call circumstantial. Circumstantial discontentment. You know, you look at your life and you're comparing it to other people's lives and you're thinking, you know, I wish I was where they were. I, w- I thought that by this time in my life, I'd be doing something different. I'd be at a different place in all these different categories and I'm just, you know, they're doing something significant and I just don't feel like I measure up or I wish I could have a baby, um, you know, and here are all these pictures. Ah, uh, sonogram, it's a boy. You know, and I, I can't have a baby. And, you know, I, be, just, to be transparent with you, this has been the area that has most frequently tripped me up. I think I get tripped in any of these. But, I mean, I'll give you um, an example. But, I, but, but, but uh, here's, here's one example. And I think this is not just true for me, but probably true for most church staff workers who are, you know, the, the busiest time for us in any given work week is obviously the weekends. Um, you know, there's stuff going on. We, we've got to be at church and so forth. I don't begrudge you for that. It's just, it's just, it's the life we chose. Yet that's when all the cool stuff happens. You know what all happens on the weekends? And so you all send your pictures of, you know, thank you all for being in church, by the way, instead of being in the cold, cold Sundays. Uh, anyway, you're, you're, you can, you'll see the game from the warmth of your, t- your, your home. But, but, but you, there's so, so many pictures that come out, you know, and, and we see all these pictures. And, and I want to be at the car show. So go ahead and have fun at the car show. You go ahead and serve the devil while I'm serving God. That's fine. (laughs) And I I hope it doesn't rain on your car. Okay? (laughs) Because I'd be there if I could be. So, anyway. um, And have you seen the posters? There's a poster out there. You know, they have these posters that are inspirational. There's one that says, you know, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond to it. Have you seen the poster? Yet most of us live as if it's the opposite. Life is, we live as if 90% is what happens to us, and only 10% is how we respond. The Apostle Paul, who was like, kind of like a master um, of responding with a Christ-like 
attitude to different circumstances. He talks about this, and this may be, I think, the best passage in all of the scripture about contentment. And so here's the deal. He's writing this. He's in prison, chained to a Roman guard 24-7. Okay, not exactly the best of circumstances. And this is in Philippians 4, verse 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I got bo- I've been on both ends of this deal. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. In other words, if life's going my way, I know how to, 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 to be content. And if life is going against me, I know how to be content. Whether well-fed or hungry, I've learned the secret of being content in and every situation. Um, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. Do you want to know the secret of being content in every situation? He says, I can do anything and everything through Christ who gives me strength. The secret of contentment is not found in what I have or what I do not have. The secret of contentment is found in Christ and Christ alone. Until Christ is all you have, you'll never recognize, really, that Christ is really all you need. You want to find the power of contentment? Let everything else in your life get stripped away so that you have nothing. And then when you cling to the Savior, you know, his presence is real. It's real. He offers a peace that goes beyond our understanding. He's our rock. He's our sustainer. He's our redeemer. He's our great and mighty king. He's our healer. He's our provider. He's the lover of our souls. Everything we need, he's our assurance. And you can get all of the likes you want. You can get all the approval from people you can. You can build a big friend list and get all the material stuff you want. You can know and love as many people in your life as you can possibly work at. But until you experience his goodness in your life, you'll always be dissatisfied. You'll always be longing for something a little bit more. Because you and I, we were built for eternity. We were beings created for eternity. And there's this longing for something that's in all of us that cannot be satisfied by earthly answers. Built for eternity. So until you let Christ be all that you need, you'll always battle with the enemy of discontentment. And envy will rule your heart. Paul says, hey, I can have or I can be without. I can be in a Roman prison. But by Christ, I can do everything that he calls me to do. That's the secret of being content. So two things that we absolutely and completely need Christ's strength strength in to help us overcome the sin of envy. Through Christ's strength, one, we're going to kill comparisons. Through the strength of Christ, we're going to stop comparing. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 10. He says, we do not dare. In other words, we don't even get close to this. Don't even get near it. um, to To classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they're not wise. We're going to kill comparisons. It's not wise. We're just not going to do it. We're going to be tempted to, but we're just not going to do it. I remember one time that I got completely mashed by comparisons. 
I mean, <laughs> I was back when I was in junior high school, and um, we had just moved from across the state. My father took a job on this side of the state. I'd grown up in Spokane, and and uh, I have three sisters, and so up until we moved, I shared a bathroom with three girls, which now is where you start feeling really sorry for me. <laughs> Terrible. And so we moved over to this side of the state, and um, for some reason, I landed the only basement bedroom, which there was also a bathroom in the basement, and like I was... I had my pad. I had my, my own pad. It was, it was quite the deal, and I, I thought I was all that. Plus the fact that I was in eighth grade, which can also help most guys to feel like they're all that. And, um, and I was popular, and, and uh, cruising along really cool in school, and, and I mean, I, I, I really was well accepted, and I was doing well and enjoying myself. Thought I was king of the world. Until Mark Walker shows up with a CB125 Honda. What does a 14-year-old have to do with a Honda CB125? I don't know. But all of a sudden, girls who gave me attention, all of a sudden, I'm Richie Cunningham because Mark Walker is the Fonz. And I, the bottom dropped out, and there was no, no floor to stand on, and down I went. I mean, seriously, Mark Walker was a friend, but all of a sudden, my world of comparisons, which I enjoyed when I was on top, looked terrible on the cascading, crashing fall. I get distracted when I study, and I make my, my notes, and I want you to know that justice comes in small ways, that... Fonz is not even in the top 1,000 names people pick for babies. Okay, so I just want you to know that. <laughs> Completely needless bit of church information. <laughs> if your name is Alfonso, forgive me for making fun. I, I, I understand that's different than the Fonz. Um, so, so we're going to kill comparisons. Why? James talks about this in chapter 3, starting in verse 14. He says, But if you harbor bitter envy... If you envy, watch what this does. You know, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Now, James is going to get a little sarcastic. Such wisdom, quote, quote, does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. Envy is demonic. It's unspiritual. It's not from heaven. It's, it's, it's earthly. It's demonic. And we're going to kill comparisons because envy is demonic. Verse 16, For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and every evil practice. This, one of the Ten Commandments is, is, talks about this. You know, it's actually the tenth. Thou shalt not covet. Exodus 20. It's not just unhealthy. It's sinful in the eyes of God. Therefore, we need to kill it. We need to crush Comparisons. Now, there are lots of ways that this could play out practically in your life. Some of you, maybe, maybe it's possible you need to give yourself a social media break because it's feeding the sin of envy in your life. Or maybe some of you might need to hide the feed from certain people because what you see when you see what they do triggers something. You know, I'm not blaming them, and don't blame them. This is you. But maybe you need to take some steps to remove yourself from temptation. I, I don't know. Or, or let's take it, take it maybe beyond social media. Maybe you need to stop ordering certain catalogs that come to you that just stir things up or certain subscriptions that always cause you to want something new. Or maybe you need to 
delete some shopping apps off your phone or <laughs> stop watching HGTV because every time you see those really cool houses, it makes you sin going, and your husband says, I, the list is full. You know, I don't know. <laughs> or maybe you, you, you shouldn't go to the boat show or the RV show, or the car show, or the bridal show, or the whatever it is, English Country Garden Christmas show. Um, we're going to kill comparisons because, because this is envy, and Scripture calls, calls it demonic. Now, I, I, I don't want to stand up here. My, I, I don't want to ever be the guy that's always against things, because I don't want you to think I'm against social media. I am against sin. I am against what it does in our lives, but I, I, I always want to try to find what's the positive side. And so I think the side of the, the part of this that's positive is that it seems healthy to be some, for some things too. Um, I, I think we, we kill comparisons, but at the same time, we want to give life to celebrating the success of other people. Okay? So, I, because I find that when, when I am willing to celebrate the successes of other people, it purifies something in my heart. It does something good um, uh, rather than something degrading. When somebody else is blessed, especially in ways that I want to be blessed, when I learn, learn to celebrate with them, it, it does something to purify my soul. Somebody gets the job that you wanted, you know, okay, God, you must have a plan here. You had a reason to bless these people, and I trust you, Lord. I thank God that you're, bless them. Thanks. That's good, God. That's really good. Thanks for doing that. Or somebody gets the thing that you have always wanted. And um, thank you, God, that your hand of blessing is on this family and um, bless them. And I don't mean to be, don't, don't, don't put it up if, you, if it's not real. But make it real. Decide your own attitude. Decide, Lord, I'm really happy you're doing this for them. And I'm struggling with envy, but I'm really glad you did this. this is, what a blessing for this family. Okay. Or, you know, you're saying, I wish I was going on vacation and you're seeing these pictures of your you know, close friend skydiving off a volcano in Iceland or something. <laughs> Lord, don't let them crash. Thanks for blessing them with this great vacation. <laughs> I mean, God, what a blessing for them. And I'm happy for them to be able to do this. What a blessing. And I, I, f- I found this, that when my heart can't get to the place of celebrating somebody else's blessing... I believe I'm limiting what God is willing at that point to do for me. There's just something about our attitude in our heart that puts us into the place where God wants to bless and can move us out of that place. Where he says, um, more work needed before ready for this kind of blessing. You know, um, you know, if God ever asks you the question like, hey, um, Terry, would you be happy if I blessed them? Well, Sure. More than I bless you? Hmm. Wait a second. Let's think about this. I like the idea of you blessing them, but why do you have to bless them more? And when you start going through those calculations, you probably are already have your answer. Go ahead and bless them, God. Just don't bless them more than me. You know, bless me the most. Because there's something in us that wants to always <laughs> get to the top of that heap. And, and I know that when I think that way, my heart's just impure. It's, it's something in me that wants to build my own treasure chest. It's a dangerous place to be. Romans 12, verse 15 says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. God's character wants us to rejoice because he is. He's rejoicing. 
So the rhetorical question is this, you know, is it possible that in your own life, some a measure of small-mindedness moves us out of the place of blessing, the place of God's highest and his richest blessing for us? And I can't prove that scripturally, other than saying that there's an issue of God's character involved. I can't prove that to be true, but I try to live my life as if it is. Because I don't want to be the one that moves Terry out of the blessings of God because of a small heart. I think I've done that before. I think I've, I think I've been lined up for God's blessing, and because of smallness of my own heart, I've kind of just moved out of that, and the blessing blew past. Maybe that's never happened to you. But possibly... Possibly the reason God may not be blessing you is that something, there's something you want and you're not celebrating the blessing in somebody else's life. It could just be that there's something in your heart that just needs some adjustment. So we're going to kill comparisons. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to cultivate gratitude in our lives. Um, one definition of envy, and this is a good one, resenting God's goodness in other people's lives and ignoring God's goodness in your own life. That's pretty powerful. Maybe that's a good way of of defining envy. Resenting God's goodness in other people's lives and ignoring God's goodness in your own life. So we're going to cultivate gratitude. Proverbs 15.15 says this. says, For the despondent, every day brings trouble. For the happy heart, life is a continual feast. Maybe you know somebody like this whose every day is terrible. Maybe you know someone... Maybe you're like this. I don't know, but... You know, oh, it's just going to be a bad day. It's a terrible day again. Our economy is still struggling. My car is probably, it's just, car is not going to start. It's just, I'm so upset. My kids are always trouble. For the respondent, every single day brings trouble. But for the happy heart, life is a continual feast. And another person who has the exact same day, you know, the happy heart sees the blessing. The happy heart is ready to see God's goodness. If you want to look for bad in this world, you can find it. It's there. But if you look to see God working, you'll find it. You will see it. For the happy heart, it's a continual feast. Solomon, who was the richest man of his time, and maybe dollar for dollar, inflation adjusted, probably the richest man of all time, he said this in Ecclesiastes 6, Enjoy what you have rather than desiring what you don't have. Enjoy what God's given you instead of longing for things you, haven't ha- you don't have. Be thankful for what God's given you instead of looking at someone else's Instagram <laughs> and comparing. Enjoy what you have rather than de- desiring what you don't have. So the next time you're tempted to say, I hate my stupid car. Thank you, Lord, that I, ha- I even have a car. Because you realize that by having a car, you are in the top 5% of the wealthiest people in the planet. Okay. Or I wish I had a better house, Lord. And, and, instead of saying that, it's okay to dream and to press for a goal. But, but, but keep your attitude right. Because, you know, instead, say, Lord, thank you for the roof. Thank you, Lord, for indoor plumbing. Do you realize... of the people in the world do not have indoor plumbing? (laughs) Be thankful 
I get mad at my plumbing when it doesn't work. I should be thankful that I have broken down plumbing. <laughs> Nothing more frustrating when the handle comes off the toilet and it's just, what do I do now? You know, okay, so. Thank you, Lord, that I have a toilet that can be fixed. It doesn't sound very spiritual, but there's an attitude there. And you know what? When you exhibit the right attitude, the minutes and hours and day that follows that pay off. So when my life is good, I thank God for his blessings. And when my life is not what I would want it to be, I want to thank God for his goodness. Because I know he's promised that all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. I don't have to see it today to know that he loves me and it's going to work out. Therefore, we'll kill comparisons because it's unspiritual, it's demonic. We'll celebrate the blessing of others, rejoice with people who rejoice, and we'll cultivate gratitude, worshiping God because he's worthy of our praise. The secret of success, of, of being content, whether you have a lot or a little, is that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Let's pray.